What's up, everyone? This is episode 128 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, a few weeks ago, I talked about the plethora of summer basketball opportunities that we had coming our way. I was very excited about the whole thing here. Some of those have come and gone. Of course, we had the NBA draft. Um, I thought the WNBA All-Star game was great. The men's team, the U.S. men's team, captured a gold medal after a shaky start. Um, And then also shout out to all my Australian listeners out there as the Boomers came away with a bronze medal. I know that was a big moment for them. I've had a number of Australian collectors reach out to me from time to time since I started this show, so I am happy for them 100%. And then that brings me to this week, where we have the Summer League. It's currently in progress. Uh, In fact, I'll be watching a Pacers game pretty soon after I record this intro. And I'm trying my best not to overreact to Summer Games, but I'm very pleased with what little I've seen from Pacers lottery pick, Chris Duarte. Speaking of the Pacers, there was another opportunity this week that I didn't mention on that episode, and I don't even think I was aware of it when I recorded, Uh, but Tuesday of this week, Netflix debuted a documentary called Untold Malice at the Palace about the, of course, it's about the Pacers Pistons brawl in Detroit. Well, I just finished watching that and I have a lot of thoughts that I want to share Um, I don't think today's the time for that, though. So I made a poll on Instagram to see if people would be receptive to a brawl-themed episode of this show, and about 85% of you responded yes. So that's what I'm going to do next week, I think. Um, I have thoughts I want to piece together about, you know, where I was when I saw it, what it was like collecting Ron Artest before and after it happened, and then, of course, the documentary. I've got some more thoughts about that. So be on the lookout for that, like I said, probably next week. In the meantime, though, um, I spoke with Justin, a.k.a. at 610 Sports Cards, um, on Monday afternoon because I wanted to get a dealer's perspective of the 2021 National. I'm really excited to share that conversation with you in just a few moments. But before I get there, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast One of my goals is to always keep this show itself free. So as a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hi, this is Alan Siegel, the designer of the NBA logo, and now you're listening to the Wax Museum podcast. Okay, joining me today is longtime hobby veteran Justin, aka at 610 Sports Cards on Instagram. We've covered his different monikers before. Those of you that have listened to the show before, you might remember him from episode 56, where we talked about the virtual convention that he helped put together. That's been a long time. Justin, how have you been? How are things going? Uh, I appreciate the invite. It's great to great to hop on with you, Kyle. Um, still kind of slow going, recovering. Uh, last week was was definitely a shock coming back from uh, a week at the show, but I think we're I think we're finally back to our normal 
state of affairs here. And um, as I talked about a little bit before we we started recording, and I'll elaborate on a little bit more as we go along. I'm I'm already making plans for 2022. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you how you were feeling, so it, I'm glad we we touched on that. So it, it's hard to believe the last time. Well, other than in person, the last time that we talked on here was March 25th of, of 2020, I think is when the episode came out. That's what it says on my notes here. It seems mm-hmm. like an eternity ago, and a lot has happened since then, And but here we are. Okay, so we talked about how uh, we spent a little time at the National, and you know, I, I'm really only looking at things from an attendee's perspective, and I was super wore out. I gave my recap on last week's episode. I figured things were 10 times as intense for dealers. And that's part of why I wanted to have you on today to get that perspective, to see what all goes into it. Um, Before we get too far in, I want to talk a little bit about your national history. I know Mm -hmm. you've set up in previous years. Um, I know you've attended in previous years, but I don't know kind of what that looked like. Um, How many nationals have you attended now and how many of those were as a dealer? Yeah, so this was my uh, ninth national excuse me, and all of my national experiences have been as a dealer. Um, I've never I, I've never gone to any of them as an attendee. Uh, the first one that I went to was Baltimore back in, in 2012, uh, which seems like an eternity ago. Uh, and then I have set up um, either under my own name or with some friends of mine at a, at a booth ever since then. Um, and I I typically, I, I used to just set up and, and grab space wherever I could uh, just with, with friends or somebody else who had a table, but I've been trying to be more proactive and in, in getting booths and establishing, establishing myself as a, as a dealer, um, hopefully to be able to affect some sort of change in 10, 15 years in terms of where this thing is headed and, and where my, where I can cast my, my single dealer vote, because right now I'm a, I'm a priority three. Um, and the priority number is just given based on some sort of number of booths that or number of times you set up under your name. And uh, there's some other plus one minus ones that I don't fully understand. I don't think they do either. Um, but I'm currently a priority three. And I think there's some priority like 50s. So um, at some point, I'm hoping maybe you've got the Vegas background uh, running <laughs> hot and heavy right now. Maybe maybe Vegas 2035 or something like that for a national when I'm in the the, the teens and the, and the twenties, but, um, you know, I, I've, I've done it in different, different ways, shapes and forms, getting my own booth, setting up with people who have a higher priority than me for a slightly better spot. Um, but you know, I, I've been trying to do it under my own name and, uh, build my reputation, so to speak, in, in hopes of being able to move beyond just the Chicago option down the road. You mean you don't love the Donald Stevens convention center? I do. I mean, the, it'll, it'll hold a special place in my heart. And I mean, admittedly, just in terms of the different locations that I've been to, like my personal preference is always Cleveland, just because um, the IX Center was, it's, it's a massive complex. So there's plenty of room for people to spread out. There's plenty of seating. Um, and it was always like a maximum 15 minute drive against traffic for me to stay in Cleveland. And like, I, I know this might be a shocker, but I actually think Cleveland's a pretty great city. Um, so I could stay at a nice hotel in Cleveland and walk to bars and restaurants every night. And um, I, I was a big fan of Cleveland, but there, there's nothing will beat the convenience of Chicago. You know, maybe save for for Vegas or something like that um, to have all of those hotels concentrated in one area to be able to walk to the convention center, or the restaurants around there. Um, I I have no gripes with Chicago, but a little bit of variety that's not Atlantic City would be nice. Who, who was it that was ragging on Cleveland? Was it Joachim Noah? Was that him? 
I want to say I there, think I there think was so, an NBA yeah. player that had some choice words for Cleveland, but uh, hey, I think we should bring it to Florida just for convenience sake for me. And everything goes in Florida; anything goes here. Um, but all right, so let's transition into kind of what your week looked like. I know in my weeks heading up to the show, um, I spent a lot of time figuring out what cards I wanted to bring and, mm-hmm. and how I'd be packing them in a bag. And you know, I even wore my national bag to a local card show. Um, and it was very similar to my setup in 2019, but that was just me as someone that's attending. You're, you're looking at it from a whole different perspective. So what does national prep in the weeks uh, leading up to the event look like for a dealer? Yeah. So for me, uh, the, the one thing that I tried to do this year that I don't normally or haven't done in years past is actually put price tags on some cards. Um, so I had the way that our booth was situated this year, we had, um, there were, there were four of us. Um, so shout out John Spur fanatic, uh, Kramer card collector 291, and then Andy a harm 82. Um, so we had, we each had two display cases worth of, worth of stuff. And then we had kind of a, an oddball case that we all just kind of put lower end, so to speak stuff in and we, anybody could manage that. So one of my cases, I, I, I actually put price tags on cards. Um, which for me is a pretty big departure. Um, as strange as that might sound, I, I deal pretty much in, in high-end basketball, um, but I wanted to be more kind of customer-friendly and facing, so to speak, with, mm-hmm. with some of these items um, and, and hopefully draw in a little bit more engagement or interaction in, in terms of you know pricing or offer discussions. So I a lot of my time was spent researching pricing, you know, what's a reasonable asking price. I, any, anytime somebody asked about a, a sticker price card, I tried to let them know that's an asking price. Um, you know, I'm, I'm open to offers or we can talk or whatever, but I, I put in a significant amount of time just to make sure that my sticker prices were um, at a point that I was comfortable with them being. Um, for the case that didn't have any kind of sticker prices, I think the main thing there was, I, I did leave a few things at home. Um, just in terms of my kind of risk tolerance and exposure, um, there were a couple cards that that I really would have loved to bring and to show off, but it it just didn't make sense for me from a a risk perspective to answer certain questions about pricing um, and knowing what my response would be, and just it it just wouldn't have made me comfortable uh, in that situation. So you know, for those, those are kind of the more um, museum type pieces as conceited as that sounds, but uh, it's, it's one of those things where I, I had prepared values on all those. And there was a lot of time and effort that went into trying to come up with comps on those, understand what are, what are these things actually likely worth worth in this current ridiculous market that we're in. Um, and then being open to discussions on, you know, valuation or deal formats or stuff like that. in, in the event that I uh, decided to move some of that stuff. And I, I actually, I actually did, and I'll get into that a little bit later. So um, pricing always takes up a huge chunk of my time. Um, also, just the, just the logistics in terms of when I get to the show, you know, what do I need to do? I need to go to the bank. I need to get some stuff from Walmart. Uh, just, just all these little things that end up being like a 20 or 30 bullet checklist of, you know, did I order these things off Amazon? Do I, do I have snacks? Like, do I have enough we have enough laundry, stuff like that. So it's it's stuff that's common to attendees as well. Um, but unfortunately, as a, as a dealer, you don't have kind of the same luxury of just kind of popping out of the show and going back to the hotel room um, and, and coming back to the showroom floor. You can definitely do that. But um, as we'll also discuss, it was just it was so busy this year that 
uh, that would have been valuable time wasted away from the the showroom floor. So it's the the main the main bulk of my time was spent pricing, whether it's putting price tags on things, but um, things that don't have pricing. Uh, but just trying to come up with reasonable numbers, and I'm sure people will yell at me for some of the numbers being completely unreasonable, which is fine, which is fair. Um, but just trying to come up with numbers that would be a good starting point for anybody that uh, that came up to the booth and, and was interested in anything. So you mentioned uh, museum pieces and how you left those at home. Now, um, I will say your showcase to me was monster cards from top to bottom, including a Reggie Miller auto that you were gracious enough to uh, trade to me at a very friendly value. So thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, but, but we're not going to find any Trey Burke or anything like that in there. Um, and, and even I remember your booth in 2019, you had a, a Babe Ruth cut and a Kawhi RPA. So that, did. that was some pretty nice stuff to me, at least it seemed like. So I'll be honest, if I didn't know you, when I looked at your case, um, it looked more like a big flex to me. Um, so, so just so we know, moving forward, what was your purpose in setting up at this year's national? Uh, fair is fair. Um, part of that is me enjoying my collection. So it's it, mm-hmm. me as a dealer, my, my goals or purpose going into the week. It's, it's twofold. It's, it's business and pleasure. Um, the business aspect is this is, this is the one time a year that I will come up with some sort of pricing on, on every single card that I put in a display case and that that card is available. Um, again, the pricing on some of those cards reflects my willingness to depart or to part ways with it, um, which again, I, I recognize that, but it is, it is the one chance where I'm, I'm willing to, to deal on any of this stuff. And um, yeah, at least you know, it's available, right? If someone right, really exactly. wants it, they can get it. It's, it's available. Yeah. And I, I've definitely, I've come back and in the, just in the past week or so, I've had people ask about um, a lot of the, the non-price tag cards. And I'm like, they're, you know, they're, they're back in the safe deposit box. I just, I, I just don't, I don't want to move them right now. And I probably won't make most of those available until, until the next national, because it's just a, a lot of that stuff. They're, they're cards that I've had for three, four, five or more years. And they're just, they're, they're much more emotional than transactional. So um, there, there's certainly the business aspect and, you know, a good show for me, is very different than like a good show for card collector two Ryan or RBI crew seven Ryan. It's um, it's a few personal buys like cards that I, I like and am glad to, to grab in a national setting that you don't see very often. Um, it's, it's a handful of, it's a handful of flips to help cover show costs, dinners, you know, Ubers, whatever the case might be. Um, and a few sales or cash transactions, cash inflow transactions to, to help build the bankroll. Um, and I went back through my notes and at the, the show this, this past week or two weeks ago, I had one personal purchase. I had two big trades. I had one cash card deal where I was receiving cash and about a half dozen flips. And like, for me, it was my best show ever by like a a massive margin. Um, so to, to a lot of people, that sounds like it's a, it's a boring week. Um, but for me, that's, that's right in my, my sweet spot of, of what I'm trying to accomplish and, and achieve. So that's the, the business side of it. Um, the pleasure side, it, as, as I've kind of hinted at already, it's, it's the one time a year I display all my cards. You know, most of the time, uh, this stuff is sitting uh, for various lengths in a safe deposit box. Um, you know, I've, I've got pictures on my phone. I've got my smug mug and all Instagram and all that good stuff. But um, I, don't, I don't play cards with most of this stuff for uh, the bulk of the year. So it's, it's fun to put it all behind, behind glass in the display cases. Uh, it's fun to just kind of 
think back and reflect on what those display cases look like from uh, from previous shows, what's changed, what stayed the same, um, you know, what values were on some of the stuff a year or two ago versus where they're at now, uh, and, and just just enjoy the collection that I put together over the course of you know ten plus years of of doing this. Um, and as everybody has talked about on on every other uh, show, but it it cannot be overstated enough is that it's just, it's hanging out with everybody. It's hanging out with you and the dozens and dozens and dozens of other names that we can all drop um, to be able to, to catch up in person, uh, whether it's talking about personal stuff, hobby stuff or everything in between. It's just, there's nothing that beats that. And, you know, there, there, there's no replacement for IRL in real life relationships, regardless of how much you talk to somebody on a day-to-day -day basis on, on the internet. It's just, that's always my biggest gripe is people who go and they just keep their head down and look at cards the entire week. It's, you know, if you're not using that week to extend online relationships to in-person relationships, especially if you've never met that person in real life, you're, it's a completely wasted opportunity. So just the chance to meet new people, catch up with old people is nothing, nothing beats that for me. So it's the, the business aspect and the pleasure aspect is, I mean, that's, that's, that's what keeps me going with this. And I have no, kind of envision I don't envision slowing down anytime soon it's just too much fun so you said I think you said you'd been to nine shows is that correct yes. yep. so has that purpose kind of evolved over those nine shows or has it been pretty consistent uh I think it's I think it's been pretty consistent just because kind of my the business side just the the number of cards that I have has never really fluctuated beyond I think the most I've ever put out um at a at a national in terms of inventory is like two and a half cases, maybe like two, just under three cases. So I've never, I've never tried to do like a, a breakers row type deal or like a, a mealy pops deal where I have like nine display cases of stuff that would, I mean, that would wreck me. Um, I mean, two more than, more than two is tough enough for me as it is. So I I've always from the business side, I've always been in, in that kind of two showcase sweet spot, but um, I would, I would definitely say that as I've just come to know more people and it has, as the hobbies exploded, um, through the years, you know, whether it's this past 18 months or just the growth of the, of the, the socials extending out from the old message boards, like, like you discussed with Zach, um, to the, the much more real-time interactions in Facebook groups or, or Instagram, um, the relationships have definitely become a bigger part of that. Okay. So now we know what your prep looked like. Uh, we know what your purpose was going in. And you talked a little bit about kind of when you land, having to go to Walmart and do some of that kind of stuff. Um, so the week of the show finally arrives and it started on Wednesday evening, or at least that's when people could get in. I know there are different kind of tiers of people. I'm mm -hmm. assuming, well, I know you settled in before that. And I realize this is open-ended and it, it's kind of on purpose, but if you don't mind, take us through your national experience. Then once you landed in Chicago from start to finish. Yeah, happy to. Um, so it's it's a long week, um, and, and I it's a long week for me. And I don't drive anywhere. You know, the the guys that are driving, whether it's from you know Florida or Missouri or Texas or California or whatever, uh, my my experience is is two plane flight is two flights. So it's mm -hmm. that part is easy for me. So um, I typically like to get in on Monday. You know, Monday early afternoon, late afternoon, something like that. Have some time to to chill at the hotel, just to, to get settled, unpack things, prepare for the week. You know, of, of course I was doing last minute pricing changes because I'm the worst. So I, I had all my little stickers with me and I was making updates to those. I was make, reprinting my Excel spreadsheet with all the 
pricing on it that I kept in my back pocket the whole week. I don't know how many times I printed that and the, the front desk folks got tired of grabbing that for me off their printer. But um, Monday, Monday is basically just to kind of get, get my legs underneath me. Um, Tuesday, so Tuesday uh, dealers have the opportunity for like, I think it's an extra 75 bucks uh, to set up early. Um, obviously this is much more important for guys that are coming in and maybe they're more memorabilia based. So they have like, the, they just have to unload giant trailers or, you know, if you're, if you're unloading six or seven, eight, nine display cases worth of cards, you know, that's, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. So Tuesday, the, the importance of early dealer setup is much more for guys to actually get unpacked. Um, but for me, it's to just, I try and get to the show as, as early as I can. Um, I do typically reserve Tuesday morning for, like I said, running to Walmart, grabbing snacks, uh, running to the bank, um, getting whatever cash I want to take with me and any, any other little random errands. Um, but once I get done with that first thing in the morning, I, I immediately head back to the show. Um, and I'm just wandering the show floor to see if who's putting what out. Um, I've got my, my list and I don't think I have my little memo pad with me, but I, I probably wrote down like 30 or 40, 40 dealers and their booth numbers. Um, that guys I know, guys that I've worked with in the past who have offered good deals and, and just to try and continue to like make a, a loop or there's definitely a lot of hovering too um, once you see that people are putting out cards, but uh, just trying to trying to get an advantage, find those things that I can grab and, and flip to, to start to cover show costs or if there's anything cool that I want to buy for, for myself to, to grab that before it, it does open to uh, open up to the public. So that I think early dealer setup closes at four on uh, Tuesday afternoon is either four or four thirty. So for me, that was about a that was about a six hour day on the showroom floor. I think I got over there about ten and and left when uh, when we got the the notification over the loudspeakers to to get the hell out. Um, Wednesday, so as you mentioned, Wednesday is technically the first day of the show for attendees, um, but Wednesday is is the longest day of the week for dealers if they want it to be. So. Wednesday, the showroom floor opens for dealers again at 8.30 a.m. Um, and again, this is 8.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Um, is continued dealer setup. So there's there's no extra fee to set up on Wednesday. It's, it's just everything's open early. Dealers can continue to come and set up. But Wednesday is really when guys start to put out put out more stuff. So I got to I got to the show Wednesday at 8.30 in the morning um, and I left. Wednesday at 8 p.m. that night. I mean, it was a it was a long, long day, almost 12 hours of of beating the pavement and the concrete. Um, again, just walking around, seeing what's new, seeing who's already here, um, seeing guys who are doing what I'm doing and aren't they? They don't set up their stuff until Thursday because they just spend the first two days trying to um, trying to find the find other goodies. Um, but but Wednesday is is by far the the longest day of the week. Um, and then Thursday through Sunday is is the show. Um, and as I'll mention a little bit later, the, I, I typically for the first state nationals, like I had a, a pretty good routine that worked well for me. Um, and that routine was pretty much completely thrown out the window by Wednesday at 5 p.m., just seeing how many people were there. So uh, there was some adaptability uh, that I had to come up with um, in order to, to, to figure out how to manage the show. But, but Thursday through Sunday, I was, I was just at my booth the entire time. Um, so yeah, the, the biggest, the biggest differences for a dealer, are just kind of the, the Tuesday, Wednesday aspect and how Wednesday, even, even though Wednesday is the, only the second day of like a six day week for guys, it, it's the longest, it's by far the, the longest day. So that's, that's kind of the daily day grind, uh, or day to day grind. And then the, the week for me, I mean, I tried to be more active with social stuff. You know, I, I, 
I love just going back to the hotel room and decompressing and getting Uber Eats and not talking to anybody. Um, but I did try and force myself to get out of the comfort zone a little bit and do a little bit more than I had in previous years, especially since I hadn't seen you guys in so long. So, um, you know, I went into Chicago Tuesday night with some, with a small group of friends and had dinner um, Wednesday night is, I, I know you discussed it, but we had the, uh, the, the bar night at Shoeless Joe's that was fantastic to see everybody. Um, Thursday night, I do an annual dinner with a, a buddy of mine and his dad and his brother. He, he lives overseas now, but that's always a highlight for me. Um, Friday was another group dinner. And then Saturday, I, I finally said, I, I can't do this anymore. I gotta, I gotta do the Uber Eats, <laughs> the Uber Eats thing in the room and, and just, and just decompress because it was just such, such a long week, but I did try and be, oh, and then obviously trade night on, on Thursday night too was, was absolutely wild. But, um, I did try and be more open to, to after hours stuff just because I, um, we, we haven't done this in, in so long and, um, I wanted to catch up with as many people as I could. Did you do the, was it the card collector two trade night that you did on Thursday? Yes, that's, that was the one. I mean, I got there, I got there late. Um, we, we got done Thursday with, uh, with dinner at probably nine, I don't know, nine fifteen, nine thirty. So I, I went over to the, the Hyatt pretty late and I walked in, and it was still wall to wall people. Like I, I just, yeah. I, I was floored and it's, it's just kind of indicative of the show writ large is that it's, it was slammed and it was there were people broadcasting on a stage and, you know, people, people lined up to, to shake hands with Jimmy and Ryan. I mean, I was, I was right there with them just to say thanks. And, you know, just how incredible it was, but I, I could not believe the, the insanity, um, not only of that organized event, but then just like the random offshoot trade nights that popped up in the different hotel lobbies. So it was, it, it, it's just the, the overall theme of the week was just, it was just busy, 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 yeah. busy, busy. Uh, kudos to those guys too. I know um, when we were all lined up, I was kind of towards the front and I, you could see they, they, they uh, kind of poked out and, and you see their eyes got really big. Like, you know, they did everything they could. And it's just like, they they were just endless groups of people. Um, mm-hmm. but they, they did, you know, they did awesome with it. And, and I've had a blast both of the years that I've been to it. Um, okay, so before we move into the last section, you mentioned that I think you mentioned you had at least one personal pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything, and, and it could be more than the one, but is there anything you're particularly excited about that you want to talk about that you picked up? Uh, yeah, so I, I think for I think for me, and and this kind of is jumping the gun a little bit, but I I went into this show, and I think a lot of people did, understanding that whatever amount of money you brought to the national in years past was not going to get you the same type of value that it did in 2021. So people have built up huge kind of stockpiles of, of equity in a lot of their cards, regardless of price point, um, which is great. But like I said, that means your dollar doesn't go as far as it did in, in any of the previous years. So one of the things I, I tried to be more mindful of um, and, and do just kind of some research or put some thought behind it before I went is, all right, how do I want to try and trade this stuff? You know, what's going to be my approach when somebody comes up and they're like, I, I want this expensive card, but I'm not going to pay you your asking price. <laughs> do I you want trade? to give I, you a, a thousand exactly. small slabs. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, let's not get too carried away, but <laughs> I, I was, I was much more open to the, the trade proposition just because I I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Like my money mm-hmm. can't, my money can't buy this stuff. Like it used to be able to buy it. Um, so I think I was, I was very happy and, and almost proud of myself, so to speak, because I, I hate trading. Like I, I, I hate trading. I get so in my, 
I get so in my head over the the deal making process. It's like, oh God, did I'm and I'm still doing it in some of the some of the deals I made. It's like, oh, did I screw this up? Should I have tried to get more? Should I have tried to get something different? Um, but I just had to get much more comfortable and prepared for knowing that I would need to be ready to potentially trade some of this stuff away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did, you know, I, I traded some, I traded some pretty big pieces. Uh, one of the things I got in return was, um, a Kobe molten metal fusion titanium, the, the gold one numbered to 40. Oh, um, wow. that was, that was part of a deal. And that's, that's one of those things that, that never in my wildest dreams would I think I would own one of those for any number of reasons. Um, probably most importantly is that like, I'm, I'm clearly not a nineties insert guy. Like I'm an, I'm an autograph guy. Um, so just, just to be able to, to, uh, grab one of those as, as part of a deal, like was, was just absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, Mike, God, I hope I don't screw this up, but I I think he's 0.4 seconds. Um, he's just, he's just phenomenal. Like I know his, his, there's some videos going around of him at Burbank showing off his Kobe collection and the Steph collection. It's just the, it's the most ridiculous. I did see that. It's the most most ridiculous stuff you've ever seen. So, so shout out, shout out Mike. If you haven't watched those videos yet, do it now because it's, I mean, it's just, it's wild. And he had a lot of that stuff at the show with him. And I was, I was floored. We probably spent 10 minutes talking about about the, about our trade and eight of those minutes was just me like gawking at his stuff. So I appreciate his patience, but no, just to be able to grab things like that, that you never, you never think in, in your, in your wildest dreams that they'll, um, that they'll pop up, let alone that you'll have like a realistic chance to, to grab them is, is fun for me. So I was, I was very, very happy with myself that I was much more amenable to trading um, because, and that was, that was born of necessity. Like I, I had to be him and, and a couple other guys that came up that I ended up making trade deals with. If, if I just shot them down, then it's, I, <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Um, so it's, it's just something that um, it kind of underscores the importance of just being flexible and, and being adaptive um, at these shows, because, you know, you, you can go in with a game plan and if you stick to the game plan um, but, uh, just to the letter, then it might just completely blow your whole show show apart. Okay. So now you you went through your whole show. You made your trade. You had your Uber Eats on Saturday. No yep. airport deals, I'm assuming. Uh, that's the uh, thing now. Yep, uh, none that were none that were videotaped. And, okay, uh, none to my knowledge. No. All right, so you're home now. You made it home. Um, you've rested up a bit. We talked about it earlier. How there is a recovery time, and and I imagine, like I said, for a dealer, it's got to be um, probably even longer of a recovery time. So I want to know then what are, now that you've had some time to rest and reflect, what are some of your takeaways from your whole experience, be it mistakes or things you did that worked out well, or, or just thoughts about the hobby and where it's going in general? Yeah. So I think the, the first thing, and, and I, I touched on it. I mean, I, everybody's touched on it, but it, I was floored how busy it was. I mean, from, from legitimately Wednesday afternoon. So our location, excuse me, on the showroom floor, um, we were tucked all the way, all the way in the back. Basically you, you came in here and you had to go here <laughs> to find us. You had to cut all the way across the show, but we were tucked back in that kind of that enclave area, so to speak with the, with the, with the red carpet. You did um, have the carpet though. That was nice. We had the carpet and we had airflow back there too. Not that the, the broken stagnant air uh, Wednesday <laughs> and Thursday that people were just in a, a giant sweat lodge, but um, my hangout anyway. was the back wall because it was yes, actually cool yes. back there and I could sit down and I think more people discovered it later on, but that was where you could find me. Yeah, it was, it was great. So in, in order for people to actually finally get back there, you know, it, it takes a while for, for the crowd to cycle through there. So it, I would say starting about 
4.30, we, you know, people started to come back to the booth and I, I would drift a little bit in our area, but I would come back to the booth since it looked pretty busy. And then by, by like five, 5.30 on Wednesday afternoon, I was like, I was like, what is going on? This is a Saturday afternoon at any other national I've been to seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think, I don't think first timers just kind of have that perspective of just how big this show was compared to every single year prior. Um, and I talked to a couple different friends who are, you know, first time dealers, long time dealers or whatever. And everybody seemed to be like, it would not surprise me if Wednesday was a top 10 attendance day ever, mm-hmm. you know, not, not just for um, a Wednesday, like for any show ever. And then just starting from Thursday on, I was, I was at my booth the entire time, the entire time I was, I was standing there. And whenever I would try and break away, it's just, there were just so many people coming up and, um, and asking, asking questions or, uh, just, just kind of doing the show experience. So, um, I was, I was grounded the, the whole time at the booth and I I'm still shocked by how much time I spent at the booth. So, um, I will echo just as everyone, everybody else has mentioned about how busy the show was that <laughs> that is not normal. I, I guarantee you that's not normal. It's also a design of just the Donald Stevens convention center, uh, just because it's by far the smallest show space, um, that is kind of in the, in the lexicon of, of arenas or event spaces that the national is, has held the show. Um, people will be able to spread out a lot more next year in Atlantic city, like a lot more. So that's, that will be, that will be helpful in kind of giving people a little bit more breathing room. So there is that to, to look forward to uh, with Atlantic city. Um, I think the, the other thing for me, or one of the, the, the biggest thing for me that's different from this past year versus every other year was just the, uh, the the evolution and the growth of, of content creation and kind of how that would be reflected in uh, kind of card show etiquette, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Like everybody, or most, not all, but most people, the vast majority of people did a very good job of minding their p's and q's. I didn't hear any kind of horror stories of interactions just gone completely wrong. Um, so many people were like, Hey, do you mind if I take a picture? Do you mind if I take a quick video? And that's all it takes for, you know, for me and for a lot of guys, it's just, just ask real quick, you know, whether it's, whether it's you on your iPhone, whether it's like, if you, if you have like a a guy, a video team behind you, just, just ask, like, is, Mm -hmm. is this cool? And, you know, like I, I might ask, you know, what are you going to use it for or whatever, but it's really, it's fine. It's totally fine. And, and everybody was really good about that. I tried to be good about saying, you know, thank you for asking, um, but yeah, that's all it takes. Just be like, is this, is this cool? And, and the vast majority of people will, uh, will not have any kind of issue with that. Yeah. Um, I was it, surprised. Um, I think I've seen more invasive, you know, content types here at small shows in Florida. So like yes. to get on the biggest stage and, and everyone behaved, uh, I was, it was kind of a, I'm, I'm proud of you hobby moment for me. Oh, it, it definitely was. I was, I mean, I was also standing right next to, and I can't remember if you were around my booth when this happened too, but uh, there was, there was one um, very large organization. We, we won't, we won't shout them out, um, but their style or, or their attempt to uh, push deals or to basically create deals was to run up to a guy at my booth um, with one of the individuals and then a, a camera crew of about seven or eight people and just start like trying to trying to press the issue, trying to force the issue of let's make a deal, let's make a deal, let's make a deal. Um, I walked away when that happened because uh, I knew the the inevitable was coming that they would round the corner and get to my my two showcases. Uh, so I, I just I 
I gave myself the hook on that one and just kind of drifted around and, and waited till that storm had passed. So, um, to his, to his credit, the, my buddy who was set up with me, he's, he's fine with it. He was cool with it. Um, so again, it's, it's all a matter of personal preference, but, um, that was not a personal preference of mine. So it, it definitely happened. Um, but I think that, I think the biggest takeaway for me is just the, the general hobby outlook. You know, I'm, I'm always somebody who is glass half full. And when I say half full, I mean, I don't get too far above like 55% very often. So I'm always, <laughs> I try and be never too high, never too low. Um, but every interaction I had was just, was just so positive, you know, whether it's attendance, the, the, the number of deals that were being made, whether it was trades, whether it was, I, and I was also surprised with the, the amount of cash I heard that was being spent too. So um, whether it was, it was trade, it was cash, it was cash trade. Um, everybody's, uh, you know, doing a good job with, with the show etiquette, you know, it's just, it just, it just went so well when so many things could have gone so wrong. So I'm just, like you said, it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a good job by you. Um, pat yourselves on the back. I, I was super, super impressed and, and encouraged with that. Um, I heard everybody, all kinds of different conversations, whether it's people already, um, talking about Atlantic city, um, whether it's people talking about upcoming regional shows, like I think the Dallas show is the end of August. I think mm -hmm. the Wisconsin Dells show is the end of August too. Um, and just other ways. The, the trade cruise in Tampa. Oh, sorry, the, that's the second week of September, first week of September. It's not Labor Day. I, I know that. It, the third through the fifth, I think is oh. Tampa. Oh, wow. Maybe it is. Is that Labor Day? I don't know. But yes, let's not forget about the card cruise. Um, <laughs> what could go What could go wrong on a boat at this point in 2021? Um <laughs> So yes, everybody's everybody's excited about how do we how do we continue to push this positive momentum um, into subsequent events, um, or I would I would also say into additional kind of strong and relevant hobby content, whether it's the work that you do or any of the the other crazy number of of content platforms that are out there. I think whether it's a combination of or whether it's entertainment, whether it's more informational, a combination thereof. If it's good content, like that matters. And we can, mm -hmm. we need people who create good hobby content to continue to create that content. Because I, I can't tell you how many times, and this is just, I, this is just me as a guest on a podcast, but I had so many people come up to the booth and be like, I can't tell you how much I appreciate like your national walkthrough with Josh. Like it was just, mm -hmm. it was really helpful. Like it was I know it was long, but like I threw it on and just different car rides or like walking to and from somewhere. I, I forwarded it to people um, and it was just really, really helpful. And like that, that means so much. And like, I, I know I had conversations with a bunch of other people about, you know, whether it's the, the creators themselves or other people talking about other content, and like people, people are eating this stuff up um, and we need to make sure that they continue to eat up the good stuff as opposed to the, the non-good stuff. So that would be my, my kind of, of charge for a lot of the content creation out there is just just continue to do what you're doing like continue to push continue to come up with with new ideas and even if even if some of them don't work as well as you thought it it doesn't matter because i the content creation is here to stay and it serves a very very important purpose uh in the hobby so whatever whatever we can do to continue that that forward momentum um is great and i mentioned the the atlantic city show next year um, I've already booked my hotel, so we're 350 days clear of that show, and I already have a hotel room. Uh, I'm very, very excited about that. I get very stressed out when things are are booked or I can't do what I want to do immediately. So 
I'm excited for that. I got my booth. Um, good to go there. And while Atlantic City doesn't have all of the kind of trappings of inconvenience that Chicago or, or Cleveland does, um, I am excited because I, I think, and, and again, this is, I am pretty much all basketball, but I think we're going to get a shot of, of new blood for the Atlantic City show. Again, God willing, we make some progress with the, the current COVID state of affairs, but there, there's so many international collectors and hobbyists that weren't able to make it this year because of COVID. Oh, yeah, um, that are that are that are already just I mean, they're they're already like messaging me on Facebook and Instagram. Like, what do I need to do to get a booth? Like, how do I how do I fly to Atlantic City? What's the best the best way to get there? Hotels, things like that. So I think there's going to be an additional influx of people who um, th this will be their first show back in in two years. So, you know, there there's additional new blood that's on the way, which which I think is great. That'll be continued forward momentum of people being able to jump back in the hobby um, in person. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I think the, the last kind of positive hobby outlook is that, you know, we've seen so much innovation in a hobby that has otherwise been mired in complacency for decades on end, you know, whether it's uh, new grading companies, innovations within existing grading companies, whether it's crowdfunding and crowdsourcing of cards, um, just different types of card supplies that you can buy, pricing analytics tools, ways to store your cards, whatever. I know I'm forgetting more. You know, regardless of what you think about those different offerings, good, bad, or indifferent, like it matters that people are trying things. Mm -hmm. So I think that continued innovation, um, that, that will be important going forward. And I, I've talked to guys that, you know, whether it's auction houses or that, that make some of these products or offer some of these tools, and they're, they're super excited about the things that they're, that they're working on. You know, they, they want, they absolutely have not stopped what they're doing. Um, so they're continuing to come up and, and brainstorm and think about ways to, to do things better than they already are and offer, you know, new products and services uh, that aren't already out there. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited just with the, the state of innovation within the, the hobby space that that will also um, continue to thrive and, and grow. Yeah. And, and I'm not, uh, I've said it before, I'm not big into the, the charts and graphs and all that stuff, but um, I've noticed there's like at least a handful, if not more of those apps and companies competing and the mm -hmm. innovations we're getting because of that, it it's actually bringing about some stuff where I'm like, Hey, actually I might use that. And I don't think that creation would have come about had it not been for the, you know, the interest in the charts and the maps that I'm not interested in. Right. Um, so it, it's just been um, a really interesting journey and a, a really um, crazy year for the hobby. But but probably, uh, you know, when we look back on this, probably a, a year that we needed. Um, right. And it's it's not a, it's not a matter that the issue or the discussions shouldn't be. Well, there's I shouldn't I shouldn't say that it shouldn't be. It should be a separate discussion whether or not you agree or disagree with what a lot right. of these companies are doing. But there's also a discussion to be had for the value and the importance of what these companies are doing, because uh, up and up until, I mean, my God, up until 2010, people were still relying on Beckett price guide values. Like I'm not knocking Beckett, but like we, we were relying on arbitrary values from like a, a couple different brands of magazines yeah. for almost for decades, 40, 50 years, however long you want to put it or however long you want to call it. So, you know, it, the, the fact that this, that things are changing and things are different, you know, I end up, I, I, I fear change much like Garth Algar. Um, but I'm, I'm there with you. I'm not a change the, guy. 
the, va the value of change and the fact that people are willing to take risks to um, implement change, that, that's very important. That's very valuable. Yeah, there was uh, about a year ago, I was at a card show and a, a guy, you know, asked me about the Beckett value of something. And I just kind of like, I mean, I'm very familiar with Beckett. I have a library of the magazines right behind me, behind the Vegas sign here. But, yep. um, you know, I just kind of looked at him like, you know, the, the price changed before the ink even dried. Uh, it's just we're, mm -hmm. we're living in a different world and, and it's, it's very exciting though. And uh, Justin, I always appreciate your perspective. I always enjoy talking to you. I need to have you on here more. I didn't realize it had been um, over a year, almost a year and a half since we had chatted. Um, before I let you go though, I want to give you a chance as always to plug anything you're working on and just to let people know where they can find you if they want to follow you or reach out to you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, as you mentioned, the my Instagram's at 610sportscards, 610sportscards. Um, the 610 is not my zip code. I'm not from the Philadelphia area. Um, if we have not met, that's because I am that tall. Uh, I have nowhere to run and nowhere to hide on a showroom floor. So if you ever see me at a show, I'm, I, I'm not sure which regional ones I'm, I'm going to be doing over the, the upcoming months, but I, I definitely want to get to one. So uh, please come up and introduce yourself and, and say hi, because I, I I love that part of, of all this, just meeting different people or putting an Instagram handle with a, with a face is, is fantastic for me. And, um, I'm starting to show off some of the, some of the, the pickups from the show and, and try and cycle out some new inventory. So, um, the stuff will be posted in the stories. And, um, if you see something you like, cool, if you think it's overpriced, tell me, tell me how much of an idiot I am. Cause I need to, I need to toughen up in the, the, uh, the internet sphere. All right. Well, thanks again, Justin. I appreciate it. And, and we'll be uh, keeping in touch as always. Yeah, buddy. Again, I appreciate the opportunity to catch up and uh, look forward to more down the road. All right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank Justin once again for coming on the show and giving us his perspective on things. I mentioned multiple times that I wanted to hear from a dealer. Uh, I also wanted to hear from somebody that's been a, a mainstay in the hobby and especially basketball cards for a long time now. So Justin fits that criteria and more. Um, there's a good chance that something he said today resonated with you. If you'd like to reach out to him um, and let him know that or just thank him, you know, please do so. His Instagram handle is in the title of today's episode. And then as always, you can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. You can find me on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.